This is a Liverpool Echo podcast on Anfield Plus, the home of your daily podcasts, bringing you the inside track from Liverpool FC. Hello and welcome to an Anfield Plus podcast on the LFC Echo app. My name is Paul Wheelock and by now the World Cup knockout stages are in full swing. They do not, however, feature Mo Salah's Egypt. Now Egypt were always going to be up against it from the moment the Liverpool hero was injured in the Champions League final. But after somehow managing to get himself fit to play and score in Russia, it's become clear that Salah was badly let down by the powers that be. To get the inside track on a story of politics, poor planning and poor management, I spoke to Egyptian football expert Ahmad Youssef. And he explained how Salah's World Cup dream turned into a nightmare. It's not a story to be enjoyed, but it's a fascinating one nevertheless. And it's one that will leave Mo no doubt desperate to return to Liverpool and attempt to build on his incredible first season at Anfield. An Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, Ahmed, thank you very much for joining me on this podcast. Uh, and thanks for getting back to me so quickly because you you got back into England this morning, didn't you, after seven flights home? Yeah, well, it's, it's seven flights around Russia and it's been, it's been a long, long journey, but it's been very, very fun. Um, even though we kind of we're going home with zero points, it was, yeah, it was worth it. Yeah, but but to the football itself, and obviously Mo Salah, which is uh, who is the the reason behind this podcast. It was the Egypt's first World Cup in twenty eight years. Would it be fair to say it was a disappointing one? What happened football wise, first and foremost? Yeah, a huge disappointment. Um, I think we went into the World Cup, and I mentioned this before, with a very negative tactic of aiming for you know nil nils in every single game, and. and when you then concede a goal, you don't have any plan B to score goals. And um, yeah, going home with zero points is quite unacceptable, especially when you look at Russia and uh, Russia and Saudi Arabia, who are ranked the lowest two teams in the tournament. Um, and we finished you know, below both of them. So yeah, it's quite disappointing. Yeah, we, we when we spoke in the last podcast <clears throat> at that time, we were we were questioning Mo Salah's fitness after his you know serious injury in the Champions League final. He did manage to play two games, he managed to score two goals, but did you think he was fit, fully fit? It's, it's clear that he you know he wasn't even the you know, body language. He just seemed you know, not not fully fit and, and not ready for it. Um, the way he was running around, he he wasn't closing down players as as well as he he usually does and. In, in a sense, we were playing with ten and a half men. I know that, that half and Salah can produce magic, which is kind of an excellent goal. Um, but for the rest of the game, you, we were playing with ten men, um, having to close down with ten players, and it proved difficult. Um, so yeah, he definitely wasn't fit, and it's a, it's a question of whether you know should he have really played if he wasn't one hundred percent fit. Yeah, I agree, and he's probably almost sacrificed himself for the team. I'm sure, as a personal point of view, he would want to play in Egypt's first first World Cup since 1990. But do you feel some of the off the field events that had happened, which we'll, we'll no doubt come into into more detail in a moment, took its toll as well on him? Hundred um, percent. Yeah, the, the talk is you know he he's been, he's been disappointed in every aspect of the way that he, it was run from the FA and 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 where the camp was and, and the flights and so there's a lot of issues that definitely affected him and, and he didn't he didn't really smile the entire tournament he, he looked like he didn't want to be there and um, and he was the first person to leave Russia in a private jet following straight away after the game he didn't want to stay there the atmosphere wasn't great for him yeah and that's not like him is it I know he is a big superstar now and, and how idolised he is back in Egypt but that's not like him throughout this season he's had a smile on his face hasn't he exactly yeah. He might not physically celebrate with passion, but he always 
just would smile. And, and, and in the, the last game against Saudi Arabia after his goal, he did not, you know, didn't even care that he'd scored a goal. It was it was irrelevant to him. Um, and then at that stage, Egypt were winning. So it should have been something to celebrate about. And um, it's sad that that's happened. Yeah, let's talk about some of those issues. Uh, the Egyptian FA chose to put the team's training base in Chechnya, uh, I think which raised eyebrows, it's fair enough to say, given the, the human rights record of its leader, uh, Ramzan Kadyrov. And from back home, it, it was made clear that he made a bit of a beeline for Saladin. He had his picture taken, he sat next to him at a, an honorary dinner, and then I think he gave him the freedom, uh, an honorary citizen of, of Chechnya as well. He, that, that didn't seem to sit comfortable with Mo at all. Yeah, um... From the start, it seemed all a bit, you know, quite dodgy, and and, and how and why it was planned, and, and from the, the FA obviously there must be some you know, financial benefit for them to do it there. If you think about it, Chechnya, the location of it is isn't great at all. The city Grozny is is quite far south, and if Egypt who were travelling the longest distance anyway from the start, they should have had a, you know a camp base that was quite central to reduce the flight time. So from the start, it didn't seem right, and as you mentioned. Um, the, the the leader um, Ramzan Gadarov, uh, he kind of used that opportunity to you know, self publicise himself in a way, um, and and it was nothing to do with Salah, and that's why Salah and, and his agent are really annoyed that he was used as a puppet dog by the Egyptian Federation. So he said um, the, the honorary citizenship of the city, and you know, there's, there's you know, the reports that even in, during every single you know training and after the training in, in the meals that the players would have. Salah would be on his own meeting you know, people from the, the, the Kadyrovs, you know, his, his allies and his, and his friends on a separate table. So Salah wasn't even able to eat with the, the team. Um, and he would get you know, wake, woken up in the middle of the night, you know, knocks from people saying we have to take a photo with us. So he was basically a, a puppet there. Yeah, and his agent, uh, he actually sent a few cryptic tweets, which he then tried to qualify a bit. It's clear he wasn't happy either. Yeah, um, yeah but he talks about kind of the kind uh, of um, you know, his disagreement with his political views, and he meant yeah, he he made it clear that Salah nor him had any of those views, so that kind of to, you know fair enough to protect himself because it was a position where Salah could you know he only had the other option for him was to leave the national team and not play in the World Cup, so yeah. you know he waited twenty eight years. And really, this is the second kind of big incident, isn't it? Because as we touched on the last podcast, where you can, you, if you can explain to listeners who may not have listened to it first time around, his agent was involved in a or embroiled in a big image rights row uh, with the Egyptian FA as well, wasn't he? Before the actual World Cup kicks off. Yeah. So um, the main, you know, the main airplane that Egypt were using throughout the World Cup um, had you know, sponsors of. From one of the major companies in Egypt, which is um, WE, which is a telecom company, um, and Salah sponsored by Vodafone in Egypt, the competitor, and they put his face solely at the front of the plane as the main image and the main star, which would violated his um, image rights, and that affected Salah. And Salah was asking the, the president Hani Abu Rida to kind of take it, take it down, and he was saying, you know, no, you're 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 a child of Egypt, is what he said, and we can, you know pretty much do what they want with him and his image rights not understanding you know, the financial implications of it and eventually you know and it, and it saw you saw on the pitch towards the end of the season Salah couldn't score as many goals and that was at the time when this whole involvement was happening so it 
affected him, and, and you know it could have affected him this time round as well. We, we we don't know. Yeah, and this is the thing. There's been reports that he may retire from international football, which is which have been denied by you know by the Egyptian FA. Do you think it may come to that? You know, do you think he'll look at what's happened the last few months and think, oh, it's not worth it? This. podcast the interview for this podcast that i think the the hashtag i am with salah was trending in in egypt on monday so it shows he's still got all the support of the people back home yeah everyone understands because everyone knows the way it works in egypt and and they can see what everyone can see what's happening and um so yeah they might be funding themselves we don't exactly know the details but there must be a reason behind them going to chechnya behind all of this and there's been other stuff i mean the uh some people complaining, the players are complaining that they were putting economy class seats on the flights of the Egypt plane and didn't have that many business class seats because they wanted to fit as many Egyptian Federation members on the planes as possible so they could fly out with the players. So it seems like they weren't really looking at the, at the players themselves, they were looking at the board members and stuff like that. Yeah, and it must be difficult for a player of Salah's stature, but even the other players in the squad who've obviously played a high level of football to to kind of go from club football with the setup and everything that they get there to to what seemed a bit chaotic behind the scenes with with the national team. Yeah, so that's completely true. You're looking at a lot of them play in England, and seven of them play in England. Everything's done so professionally, and you wouldn't get any of these problems. And a lot of the players complained about the technical. they had the technical director of the team, Lahita, who apparently you know, it was an absolute mess. There was no organisation whatsoever. And um, even the, the two um, sports and conditioning coaches are actually from England and they work with various other national teams, even in Africa. And they said that this was the far worst that they've ever seen. Mm. So, yeah. An Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo. An Anfield Plus podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, and the, the thing we're blame would be pointed at the Egyptian FA because ultimately they are in charge. But if anyone who, who follows your Twitter account like I do, you're not a massive fan of Hector Cooper who has subsequently lost his job. Do you think Salah and the rest of the team, and but particularly Salah, didn't get the wasn't given the best chance to perform on the field as well, given the tactics that were deployed? Yeah, as, as you're right. I mean, I was not a fan at all, and. Um... There's, there's two sides to Egypt's failure is the, the organisation and, and, and Hector Cooper um, and I think he, the players weren't given you know, the best platform to perform and mistakes would happen because of his style of play you know, if you're going to play so deeply in the, in the half then players picking up the ball in the middle of their own box it's difficult for them to get the ball up front with you know, in Salah at Liverpool it's very rare that he'll have to work with the ball in deep in his own half to bring it upfield he's getting the ball around the box creating chances and running into space whereas for Egypt the counter-attack was so slow players weren't given the opportunity to go forward and it, and it seemed really you know just it just seemed like putting 11 players behind the ball 
and not really attacking and it didn't help anyone and that's why we've, we've gone back with you know with um with no points but it's interesting because i you know, I, I spoke to a couple of players and they they all liked cooper as, as a person mm-hmm. you know so he's a fair person he's a good manager but it seemed that maybe he just was stuck in the old and you know old style formations and just that might have worked back in the 90s when you know managing into the early 2000s he hasn't adapted and I remember speaking to you a few weeks ago before the start of the World Cup. You said the goal Salah scored against Saudi Arabia. You you predicted almost it is looking for that ball over the top of the fullbacks, wasn't it? The centre backs to for Salah to yeah. score. And at that stage, it, it almost felt like a bit of a you know a moral victory to beat Saudi Arabia. What happened after that? You know, even to beat which a lot of people perceive was the poorest team in that group. Yeah, it's just so yeah. The only way that you could score, looking at the way we were playing, was through long balls and against Uruguay. Yeah, we we kind of yeah, the, the opportunities weren't there, and, and Salah didn't play. So we had a slightly different style of playing, and I think we played a lot better against Russia. The uh, big Russian centre back just managed to manhandle Salah the whole game, and because of his injury, Salah didn't really give anything back, and there was no opportunity for Salah to get those long balls. But eventually, against um, Saudi Arabia, Salah had two chances exactly the same, and, and he missed. You know, he missed a very easy chip shot as well, um, just after he scored, and. Yeah, it just showed that it was easy for him to, to, to do that. Um, yeah. Yeah, but after the game, he didn't attend his man-in-the-match ceremony, didn't he? I think there's, yeah. there's a fair bit. Was that just because he was he probably wasn't in the right place at all? Well, yeah. Uh, you know, during the game, Egypt didn't really give anything. I mean, we had two shots on target to Saudi Arabia's 11 in that game. So it was kind of a huge disappointment all around, and, and he might have felt he sort of blamed all the players ran off the pitch, and um, except Andrew Wilder, who was you know, heavily praised for staying on at the end yeah. and congratulating the fans, um, I think he didn't feel like he deserved it. And in all honesty, I don't think Salah did deserve man of the match. It was a you know, fan-based award, and um, I think anyone watching just sees that you know, he scored a goal or give him the man of the match. But on the pitch, it looked like Samuel Hadri, our, our 45-year-old goalkeeper, yeah, he saved the penalty. Yeah. Not only for saving the penalty, but he was just. He was unbelievable throughout the whole game, and um, so yeah, he, he he ran off the pitch, and then um, you know, apparently straight away he uh, flew flew home, so or flew back to Egypt, I think, um, on on, a, on his own private jet because he couldn't. Around you know, the administration. Yeah, that's fair enough. And to be fair to him, I think he did an interview, didn't he, where he apologised. And you know, he, he doesn't have anything to apologise for, I imagine. But it, he must feel that weight of pressure, mushing on his shoulders, that it hasn't worked out just because of who he is. Yeah, and it's sad to see. Uh, you know, a very famous comedian in Egypt posted a, a tweet saying, you know, to him saying, "We're not upset. You know, at you, we're upset that you're upset. We're upset for you." Yeah. So that's the way it is, you know. You're not. You see him upset, and it just makes you upset, really, because he's not the type of person to. He's such a nice person, and if you're upsetting, you must be doing something quite bad. Yeah, so we, from her purely selfish perspective, Liverpool FC now, he'll, he'll get a few weeks off before returning to training. Do you think he'll look forward to that, you know, to put behind what's been a disappointing couple of months and he can get back to business with Liverpool? Yeah, I think, I hope he um, has that same drive that's taken him here to Liverpool where he's. He, he, you, know, you don't want him to you know, look back and say, oh, I've had a great season, um, and that's it. And that's happened to a lot of Egyptians before, you know, Mido at, at Spurs and Anna Zaki. Zaki. You, know, you, want, you, you want this is this is the best challenge for him and the chance for him to really, really shine. Like if he hits the season strongly again and um, just 
keeps his, his goal scoring form. And let's, let's hope that he hasn't been too heavily traumatised by this summer and, and he's still got his goal scoring spark. I think he probably does need a bit of a rest. So uh, you know, I'm not sure if he'll. Uh, maybe it might be good if Klopp gives him a bit longer rest yeah. than some of the other players. And like looking back now, because the season is officially over for him, it's a few days old now since he's finished. 44 goals for Liverpool, which is second behind Ian Rush. You know, he's won all the awards that can be won in England, saying desperately close to the Champions League. What a season he, he, he's had, and he, he must be a massive source of pride for, for Egyptian people and football fans. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's, he can't take it. So he is the probably the most you know, popular figure in Egypt in the sense, you know, he's everywhere. I mentioned before, he comes, came second in the presidential election. He wasn't even <laughs> running for it. And, um, he, he is the talk town. Everyone wants to get sponsors and pictures of pictures with him, and and that's what really caused a lot of problems. Even it wasn't just the you know the Chechen you know, the people that were asking for photos. Celebrities and friends of the Jewish Federation were asking them you know to wake him up and, and say I want a photo of him now and going into his hotel room to get pictures. And that's kind of the you know, the boundary line where he should have had extra protection you know, and, and maybe he should have been treated differently to the other players and treated as, as a celebrity really yeah do you think finally before we wrap up do you think it might be a lesson learned you know from the Egyptian FA you know to have if not reform but to learn from this experience for it not to happen again if if and when Egypt get back to a major tournament like the World Cup yeah 100% um, he, he kind of has to they have, they have to all you know use this as a learning experience and I mean even like I, I I don't even think it should be a learning experience, to be honest. There's a lot of talk that the whole federation should be dissolved and there should be new people in charge because the way it was handled. So there's either really two options, that new people come in and do it properly or or you improve on next time. And and, uh, hopefully we get a a good new manager who wants, you know, who plays some slightly more attacking football or, you know, who does things a bit differently and and better. And we go to Qatar and, and hope we do something special there. Yeah, gut feeling he'll be back playing for Egypt before you know it, Salah. Do you think that national pride he's got will will make him continue? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's you know extremely unlikely that he'd retire at this age. He wants to also break the records in Egypt. So, you know, he's I think he's second uh, all-time goal scorer at the moment. Maybe I think so. Uh, he, he, there's there's things for him to go with in in Egypt. You know, records that he wants to break and he wants to become the best Egyptian footballer really ever. Yeah, and final one with Liverpool. Do you, it'd be hard pushed to to repeat the feats he you know he achieved last season. But do you think he he can keep at that high level now that he's he's reached it? Yeah, I think he will be able to, and and it's just hopefully you know, Liverpool as a whole can keep the same style of play, the same performances they were doing all season because it was really exciting and it suited him a lot. You know, if you if they change their their, their formation or, or their tactics, it might influence him. So. Hopefully they don't. Hopefully he's still up to the challenge and has that same desire to keep scoring goals. And obviously, I don't think he'll score for, you know, 44 again. And if he does, that would be unbelievable and phenomenal. But I think he'll you know, get still a good number. Yeah, Ahmed. Thanks very much for joining us on this podcast, and no doubt we'll uh, speak again. Cheers, thank you much, Paul. You've been listening to an Anfield Plus podcast on the LFC Echo app.